Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Welcome to our series entitled Nearness. Uh, did you feel it? Yes. It's all about the nearness of God. Um, it's, it's great when you're in church. Uh, it sounds good, the nearness of God. But if you test that phrase against our other experiences in life, if you test that phrase against life's experiences, it's kind of like my cat. Uh, this is Helen. The interesting thing about Helen is that she was born with no eyes. My kids named her after Helen Keller. She's beautiful, but she can't see. Helen likes to meow, sometimes really loud. And if I could interpret her meow, sometimes it sounds something like, is anybody home? <laughs> Can anybody hear me? And sometimes I could be standing there right in front of her, but she doesn't know I'm there. Unless I reach down and I touch her. And then she's like, oh, there's people here. <laughs> and you know, sometimes that's how we are with God. You know, we might have thoughts and feelings because of what we can't see. For example, we may think we're alone. And so naturally, as a result, we feel lonely. And if we think we're alone, we might wonder, are my needs going to be met? You know, there's a concern. And those feelings are real. Nothing wrong with feelings. They're real. But sometimes feelings can be a result of what we don't know. Sometimes when we're in a struggle, a difficult situation, maybe a, a tough season, you know, we might be disturbed inside. Maybe we're having a, a difficulty sleeping. We're just upset. And in our hearts, we could question God. You know, why is this happening to me? We might, be, we might even be angry with God. Like, God, where are you? Anybody ever have an experience like that? I have. Like Helen, my perception is limited. But wouldn't it be nice if somehow we could see the invisible? Did you know God offers a way to understand some things that we can't see? God has given us a window to view some things that are invisible. It's called the Bible. The Bible reveals realities we cannot perceive by the five senses. Even if you have really good intuition, you might be several degrees better than Helen, but that's about it. The Bible gives us a window into the unseen world. The Bible reveals invisible kingdoms. It reveals the kingdom of God. It reveals the kingdom of darkness. It reveals the relationship between the two and the supremacy of the kingdom of God. Don't develop your theology from cultural folklore or TV shows about the supernatural. Read your Bible. <laughs> I know most of you do. But did you also know 
it's not enough just to read your Bible? An unbeliever can read the Bible and come up with a very different interpretation. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the significance of what we're reading. And together, the written word and the revealed word point us to Jesus, who is the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We need the indwelling spirit of Jesus to reveal the thoughts of God. The Apostle Paul, he talked about this. He said, who among men knows the thoughts of another man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit that is from the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. In other words, we need the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God which reveals hidden realities. We can't see the spirit realm, at least not with our senses. And so God gave us another way that we could know Him and the world around us with the help of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Word of God. The Bible is more valuable than money. The Bible is more valuable than a college education. And how much is that nowadays? <laughs> Nothing wrong with education. But the Word of God goes beyond the sciences and the arts. And yet, as rich as it is, it's not enough just to read it. It's not enough just to study the Bible. Just like it's not enough to read a driver's manual. It's not even enough to get your license. The whole point of getting a license is so that you can get in a car and go somewhere. And in the same way, when you study the Word of God, the whole point is to live and get out and experience what God is doing and to experience the nearness of God. That's where we're going, church, to experience the nearness of God, to be near God. Let's pray. Our Father, sometimes we get a glimpse. There are moments that we sense your nearness. And yet, Lord, we want more. Lord, we need more of you. And I pray, God, that you would use our faith and your spirit and your word to bring us into a greater awareness. Lord, even when we're busy, Lord, that in the back of our mind, deep in our heart, there would continue to be a fellowship with you that is unbroken, a conversation that continues through life, and so, Father, I ask that you would do a work within us. Lord, deepen our fellowship with you. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how many of you have seen the TV series called The Chosen? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, a lot of you. 
The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. You can watch it on YouTube or download the app, The Chosen app. Season one, episode one, begins in a very creative way with Isaiah chapter 43, verse one, which is part of our text today. I'll be reading verses one through three and also verse five. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Now let's go back to verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says this. And what God says in the rest of this passage is amazing when you consider who he's talking to. How many of you know about the life of Jacob? Let's just review. Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac. And Isaac had two sons. The oldest was Esau, and the younger was Jacob. The older grandson, Esau, he was a hunter. He was like this tough, rugged kind of guy. You know, he's the one who would go out and hunt, kill, and bring home. But Jacob, he liked to stay home with mom, and he learned things like cooking. But do not underestimate Jacob just because he liked to be with mommy. One day, Esau came home, starving. And Jacob offered Esau a bowl of stew. But before he gave it to him, Jacob said, I'll give you this bowl of soup if you give me your birthright. Now, in those days, your birthright had to do with your position in the family. It also had to do with your inheritance. By birthright, the firstborn son inherited the leadership of the family and the authority of the father. And so Esau comes home, and in a hungry and thoughtless moment, <clears throat> agrees to give his birthright to his younger brother. Now think about what Jacob did. He took advantage of his brother in a careless moment to give up his position. And if you think about that, you might ask yourself, so what's the big deal? Teenage boys, competitive, you know, jockey for position. What's new in the world? It happens every day. Well, it wouldn't be so bad if it was just testosterone. There were some weird family dynamics. Rebecca, their mother, she favored her younger son, Jacob, and she wanted him to have the family inheritance. And so mom hatched a plan and conspired with her youngest son to trick her husband into giving the younger son the inheritance. I told you there was some weird family stuff. Isaac, the father, was blind and feeble, and mom coached Jacob to pretend he was Esau. Can you imagine? 
mother and son conspiring to deceive a blind elderly father to sign on the dotted line? Some serious dysfunction. And all this to say, Jacob stole his brother's inheritance by deception. This is the kind of person he was. But then, but then, later in life, he had an encounter with God. And in that encounter, he was changed. In fact, the Bible says God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, gave him a new identity. And it was more than just updating the divine database. Jacob actually underwent a change when he became Israel. And this change was so real that it later led to him being reconciled with his brother, to everyone's surprise. I mean, have you ever seen family members who haven't spoken for years because of stubbornness and pride? I mean, this was like a miracle. So what's my point? The point is this. Consider who Jacob was when you read this passage. Consider that Jacob conspired and deceived his own father to get the inheritance. Could you imagine going to the hospital and you're going to visit your dad and he's drugged and he's half conscious, half conscious, and uh, you want him to sign some paperwork. He's like, awful boy, what is this? Oh, nothing, Dad. Mom just wants you to sign some papers for the hospital. But he's actually signing his last will and testament, naming you as the heir of his estate. That's the kind of stuff Jacob used to do. But then God got a hold of his life and changed him. And now God says to Israel, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You will walk through the fire of oppression. You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid for I am with you. And the reason I asked you to consider Jacob's life is because sometimes it's hard for us to think that we could expect the blessing of God. We could be thinking, you know what? I've messed up so many times, I lost count. I may not say it out loud, but I may feel like, you know, yeah, God did. He gave me a chance but I missed it. I blew it. And I don't imagine things getting any better now. I've got too much debt. I mean, even if I get another job, it'll take me 20 years to pay this thing off. Or you know what? There's just too many broken relationships. There's so much collateral damage. I don't know if trust can be restored. Or maybe my health is bad. And now I'm too old. I've run out of time. It's too late. You know, this is why we need the Bible. If I try to understand life based on what I can see, it's like my cat. My perception is limited. 
This is why we need the word of God. If we form our ideas about life and God based on our experience, we could be totally off. Look how messed up Jacob's family was. Look how messed up they were. And yet in the middle of all their junk, God no longer saw Jacob the way he was. It was a whole new ballgame. In the same way, we've messed up. I've messed up. We said things we shouldn't have said. We hurt people. We did things we shouldn't have done. And yet, in the middle of our junk, God gave us a new identity in Christ. God no longer sees you the way you were. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone. Behold, all things have become new. And now God says to you, and when I say you, I'm talking about everybody in this room and those who are watching online. God says to you, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Now notice, God didn't say, when I roll out the red carpet, and you feel the softness between your toes, know that I am with you. No, that's not what he said. He said, when you feel like you're about to drown, and you've taken your last breath, or you feel like, God, I've been burned again, God says, no, do not be afraid. I am with you. I will see you through this impossibility just like I saw you through the last one. Doesn't that sound great? And yet somehow, sometimes it's not enough just to read about it. It's not enough just to hear about it. Somehow, our hearts are not yet convinced. You know, it's not enough to talk about it. We could talk about it until we're blue in the face. Sometimes, you have to demonstrate it. As many of you know, Terry and I recently went through a very difficult circumstance. To be honest, it was way more difficult for Terry. And so I'll let her share the story of what God did. And so Terry, come on up. Good morning. So good to see you. You know, we did go through a difficult time. God is so faithful. I remember uh, coming back from Portland. I had been gone for six months. I went in April for some medical care. And as I was coming back, I, you know, I'm pretty a private person when it comes to my health. I don't like people to know about stuff. But the Lord said to me, I want you to declare the praises of what I've done. And all through the scripture, and as you go into the Psalms, he says, declare the Lord has done great things. And it also says in Revelation, it says, and, they've over, and we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes. 
Our testimony has power. Your testimony has power. I want to encourage you, do not keep it to yourself because it does something. It helps you to overcome. I was there in April. I went through their spring, their summer, their winter, I mean their fall, and then as soon as it was 39 degrees, I said, I'm going home. <laughs> I was like, I can't handle the cold. And I came home, we've got beautiful weather, I got the best of both worlds. While I was there, I spent time with Tara. Some of you know Tara, she's there, she lives there. And uh, she's 30 years old now, she's been there for 11 years. And she was the one that said, Mom, why don't you just come out and stay and get some health care? And uh, so I was her next door neighbor. It was a wonderful time with her. There's another picture there with her and I enjoying some ice cream, really good ice cream. It's actually organic. Everything in Portland is organic, even the ice cream. <laughs> but um, we went through those seasons and just recently, we, and I say we because it was my family and myself, went through a season where I was really challenged physically. And it started out actually in, uh, in June of 2019 when I was going to visit Tara. As I was landing in Portland, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. I could hear his voice very clearly. He said, Terry, I want you to take 2020 off. I had been very busy in ministry and doing a lot of other things and he said, and I want you to reevaluate your life. I want to re you to reevaluate your relationships, your marriage, your finances, and he said, and your health. And then he said this, he said, if you will take me seriously, I will launch you into the next 10 years. And I did not know that the following year, 2020, we would all be going through a crisis, right? Through the pandemic. But I was also gonna go through my own personal crisis. In November of 2020, I was admitted to the hospital. Interesting, I hadn't been in the hospital for 26 years. The last time was when I gave birth to Nicole. And they said, when was the last time you were in the hospital? I said, oh gosh, 26, 27 years ago. But I had a difficult time breathing and I also uh, had some swelling going on that wouldn't come down. And I really didn't want to go to the hospital because you can't have any visitors go inside with you. But I heard the Lord clearly say, because I thought I had COVID, but I didn't. I had a test and he said, COVID or no COVID, go to the hospital now. And I said to Mark, you gotta take me to the hospital. And they found that my sodium was critically low and so they had me in ICU until they could bring it back up and then transferred me to another room. But all in all, I was in the hospital for five days and something happened during those five days because I had no visitors it got very, very quiet inside. So quiet that I could hear God's voice so clearly. And one night as I started to fall asleep, I looked outside my window and I saw the moon and the stars and I was reminded of this verse in Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of me? And the Lord said, Terry, I am so mindful of you. I think about you all the time. And in Psalm 139, it says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand on the seashore. 
Imagine that. That's how much God thinks about you and me. He thinks about us all the time. You know, I was very fearful, and uh, at that point, thought, what is going on? And he said, Terry, this is not going to be unto death. But I was sick, and I didn't know what was going on. I recovered, and in the midst of all of that, I had a peace that they talk about in Philippians 4, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I was in these circumstances, but I had this peace that just flowed in me. And at the time, I didn't know, but five weeks later, I'm back in the hospital again because things are not in order. And the same thing was going on. I was having swelling. I was having difficult time breathing. They were able to bring that under control and then sent me home. The very next month, January 24, 2021, I was the MC for that service, and the Lord gave me a prophetic word. And the word that the Lord gave me pointed out three things. I went back to look at it. The Lord directed me to do that. And I prophesied that this would be the year of fulfillment and that the Lord was going to provide divine healing for some of us that he would use doctors, medicine, but ultimately he would be the source of all healing. And then I also prophesied that God was going to provide abundantly for some of us. And that uh, even though we were getting stimulus checks and you know things like that, I said, I remember saying the government is not our provider, the government sits on his shoulders, amen? and that the ultimate provision was going to come from God. And the last thing that I prophesied was that God was very concerned about our legacy and that he would give us a hope and a future that we would see the future. Little did I know when I was prophesying that, that I was prophesying over myself, that that was what was going to happen. And the very next month, I was back in the hospital again, and this time, the Lord allowed there to be a cardiologist there who was from the Philippines. He was visiting, and he said, you know what? Let's check your heart. We're going to do a procedure and see what's going on. And sure enough, he said, you've had a heart attack. And I was just in shock. I was like, wow, I never knew. And so they put two stents in my heart, in the arteries, and good to go. And but. I was having difficulty getting adjusted to the medication. So we were going to go anyway to Oregon, and I decided I would go to the Oregon Center of Health and Healing and get some help with my medications. Well, when I got there, the Lord put together uh, a seven, seven people on a team that was my cardiac team, and I went through cardiac rehab and cardiac prevention. Cardiac rehab, I had to go through 36 sessions where you go in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They hook you up on a, on a heart monitor. You exercise, you lift weights, you do the bike and everything. They're monitoring your heart from a computer, and they're measuring your blood pressure. When I got there, I could barely walk five minutes without wiping out. And I, Tara even remembers, she said, Mom, the first time you ate, she said, you couldn't even finish a bowl of soup. 
I had lost 30 pounds and I was pretty weak. But God, in his amazing divine healing, began to heal me. But I began, the, my, my, there was no more swelling. I stopped coughing because I had been coughing so much because there was liquid and fluid in my heart and also in, uh, pushing up against my lungs. And I started to get strength and get stronger and stronger. I went through 36 of those sessions. And then they also wanted to do cardiac um, rehab, I mean prevention, so they did a test, a genetic test, and they found out that I had been born with a gene that I had inherited, and I had inherited from my mother, that caused my body not to be able to process cholesterol. And there was just an overabundance. And because of that, they put me on a new medication that had been around for 10 years, and within six weeks, and you only take it twice a month, my cholesterol is back down to normal levels. I had been living with high cholesterol for the whole, my whole life and didn't know that. And in fact, I have my siblings being tested, because, and I, my sister's there, because they wanted my whole family to be tested, and even my children. But God was healing me, and he was putting this team together. And I had had high blood sugar for like 10 years, couldn't get it down, and it kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And the doctor said to me, what are you doing? And interesting, I wasn't taking, I wasn't taking the amount of medication they wanted me to take because I was just not, all that medication was just making me sick. So I kind of cut back, but it just kept dropping to normal levels. And the doctor said, what are you doing? I said, doc, I'm just gonna tell you. The Lord is healing me. Divine healing. God is the source of our healing. My body was recovering, and then the provision was amazing. Because every session, I did 36 sessions, was $500. Every session, for only an hour. The medication was $600 a month. The cardiac rehab, the cardiac prevention, all of that after a year of looking at all the bills, it was at least over 150000 and I did not pay a penny. Amen. The insurance covered it all. Here's the interesting thing. My last cardiac rehab session was September 29th, and my insurance stopped on September 30. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the day before, everything had been done, and everything had been provided, and we were also uh, market, because Mark was here and I was there, we were uh, financing two households because I had my own place there, and yet I was never without. Divine, abundant provision. Unbelievable. And I just, you know, it's, it's been interesting because when the Lord said to me, if you would take me seriously, and I said, God, I'm taking you seriously. <laughs> he said, if you would take me seriously, I will launch you into the next 10 years. That to me is legacy. That to me is you're going to see many years and you're going to see what I can do through you and I'm going to launch you into the next 10 years. If I could describe what I went through, because I asked the Lord as, as I came home, I said, God, you need to summarize this for me because I can't 
understand what just happened here. It was just happening, and I couldn't understand. And he said, Terry, it was like this. He said, like a caterpillar, a caterpillar crawls on the ground, doesn't get very far, takes a long time. He says, I put you in a cocoon for six months to protect you. And if you know anything about how that happens, did you know that when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it changes its structure? It liquefies, it becomes liquid. And then it emerges, it comes out and it becomes a butterfly. There's a total change, a transformation. That's the metaphor, metamorphosis that happens. And he said, I put you in that cocoon for six months to protect you. And I did something amazing while you were in there. And now you've come out. And a butterfly now can soar above the circumstances, can see life from a different perspective. You know, in Psalm 126.3, it says, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy, what joy. And surely, the Lord says in Psalm 27, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see, you will see God's goodness now. Not later, in the land of the living, we will surely, absolutely, certainly see God's goodness today in this life. I can so relate to the verse that Mark was using today from Isaiah. When we go through difficulty, he is with us. No matter what, he was with me. I felt very protected, very secluded and put, I, I felt very much just God and me. It was just God and me. It was a beautiful thing. And I wanted to challenge us today. There's a picture of a bridge that is uh, close to where I stayed. It's called the St. John's Bridge. And the next picture is a picture of that bridge from my apartment. And one night I woke up and I was looking out at this picture at this, from this uh, uh, vantage point, and I couldn't see the bridge. The fog had come in that it had absolutely covered that bridge, and all I could see were cars going back and forth and trucks going back and forth, and it looked like they were traveling on air. And I said, God, what's that about? And he said, that's why I tell you to live by faith, not by sight. He said, you know there's a bridge there. You can't see it. But I am the bridge that holds you up. I hold you together. And you can, you, I will support you, and you can travel back and forth and do life. And even though you can't see me, I am there. It was just such a revelation. And I just want to challenge us today that there's several things I brought out here today. One is that God speaks. You know, you kept hearing me say, and God said, and God said. Some of you are wanting to hear the voice of God. The Bible says, call to me and I will answer. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I will. But we must participate and call out to God. And so some of us 
need, want to experience divine healing. I believe that God will use medicine, doctors, but all healing comes from him. Emotional healing, mental healing, physical healing. That, it comes from him. He is our divine great physician. Some of us, and I'm just repeating what I said back in January, need divine provision. Can you believe that God can provide for you over and beyond? As the worship team plays, I want us to take a moment because whether it was through the worship this morning, which was that song was just so beautiful, whether it was through the word that Pastor Mark gave her, whether it's through this testimony, God is speaking, God is here. The presence of the Lord is here. And whenever there is, whenever God speaks, we need to respond. When I went there, I had no idea what he was gonna do. But I want to say to you, that encounter with God is an encounter that he wants for each one of us. No more living complacently, no more just, oh well, maybe that's enough. We have a God that's amazing. We have a God that wants to encounter each one of us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to heal you. He wants to provide for you. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely, certainly, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We live by faith, not by sight. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. I was certain that that bridge was there, although I could not see it. If any of this speaks to you today, I invite you to respond. I invite you to come here to the altar. There will be people here that will come with you to pray for you. But today, don't leave here without encountering God. Would you come? If you want to let the Lord minister to you, I invite you now to come to the altar. Let the Lord speak to you. Let God meet you in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is here. All we have to say is Jesus, 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 Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. He wants to meet us here today. Come now. Divine healing, abundant provision, because you and I are his children. That's all. Why? Because he just wants to do it. Because he can do it. He can do it. He wants to do it. Yes, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. You're here. Let there be an open heaven in this place. Let there be an open heaven in this place. Let the Spirit of the Lord flow. Praise you, God.
Thank you, Jesus. Yes, you.
Yes, God. Yes, God. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you. We're going to take our time. We don't want to interrupt what God is doing. Uh, for some of you, though, if you need to go, it's okay. But for those who want to stay, we're just going to linger in God's presence. Father, we honor you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, you're the one who can do exceedingly abundantly more than all we ask or even imagine. And so, Lord, by faith, we come to you and say, God, have your way. Have your way in me. Have your way through me. Lord, I seek you with all my heart. Lord, I look to heaven. You are my source. Lord, entrust As you stay in that place of worship, I want to say that when I was by myself, days would go by and I'd just be with God, just God and me. I realize that we get so busy, so preoccupied in our minds, in our hearts, in our, and I encourage you to pursue God, to get quiet, to let Him quiet your heart, that He would want you to have an encounter with the God of the universe. Lord, I pray for each one of your sons and daughters here today. Lord, you see each heart. You know each person by name. Lord, you know what their needs are, and you who began a good work will complete it. We declare it. We declare it. We declare it in Jesus' name. We declare it. We declare it in Jesus' name. We declare it. We receive it. Lord, let your healing flow. Give hope. You are the God of all hope, and we will not be disappointed. We praise you. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are our great physician. You are our Jehovah Jireh. You are our past, our present, and our future. For the plans I have for you, says the Lord, are plans for you to prosper, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
fellowship with him as you go, as you're going through life and busy. Um, be aware of his presence. Enjoy his presence. Uh, gather together with your small group this week. Come again on Sunday. Bring your friends and your family. Have a blessed Sunday. We'll see you next time.